What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. (laughs) Hi. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host at The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate the principles and practices, concepts and tools, methods and strategies, people and results of workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the landscape of work through visual devices. Doesn't matter whether it's a hospital open pit mine. Honest to God, we did work in an open pit mine once. Very hard to get information embedded into the floor when the floor keeps moving every single day. Uh, it can be a um, dry cleaners, be manufacturing, automotive, continuous process flow. Doesn't matter. It's a workplace. It can be the roadways, the airports, utilities. It's a workplace. Banks and offices, the principles are the same. We embed the intelligence, our intelligence, into the landscape of work through visual devices. We let the workplace speak. Why? So we can reap the huge benefits of doing so, cultural benefits, bottom line benefits, 15 to 30% increase in throughput, and we can enjoy ourselves at work. That is an one of the embedded benefits of visuality. Because in visuality, as you've heard me say so many times, we are embedding a language. And it's a language that we communicate through, but it also keeps us connected, just the way our language in everyday life keeps us connected. And we express ourselves through it. We enjoy our lives. The struggle is minimized is greatly reduced as we become more and more comfortable with this language. And we also, I want to also say that we are interviewing master practitioners on the show, leaders of companies who are actually implementing visuality as strategic initiatives, not just an add-on to Lean, but an actual initiative on its own, sometimes before Lean, sometimes after Lean, sometimes with Lean, but separate a separate paradigm separate paradigm of principles and practices it is a really a completely different thought form it shares this with lean we're going after the waste but we're doing it through different principles some of them are shared it's true we're also going to be interviewing authors two of them in the near future wrote books on lean hospital that's mark graden and nada grunden two separate books in which visuality plays a big big role And we'll be interviewing, and I'm very excited about this, trainers and coaches who are actually implementing visuality visuality systematically. These are the folks who are on the line, who are working with the principles, the practices. They're troubleshooting the implementation. They're working out, connecting, uh, um, connecting processes with maintenance and other support functions. Because visuality is a physical change. We are changing the physical workplace and we're changing ourselves in the process. It's very, very interesting. So on this show and the next, we'll walk you through two more of the 10 doorways, the 10 doorways into a fully functioning visual workplace. 
I've been doing this since um, I think we started in October with the doorways. There are 10 of them, and we spent five shows just on doorway number one, 5S, visual order, visual inventiveness which is what I call them. This week, we're going to do visual standards. Next week, we're going to do visual displays, production control boards. They fit pretty neatly. I have um, my remarks outlined, so I'm pretty sure we can fit each one fully, have, give a good representation of each, and be ready um, for the fourth doorway. And I, we still have seven doorways to go after that. And I am very, very anxious to announce the winners of our first ever Visual Workplace 10 Doorways Award. And I had promised that for January. I'm thinking now the last week in January. But I'm also playing with the idea of getting in the rest of the doorways first. And that will delay us well into February. I want to kind of apologize for that. But at the same time, you won't have an appreciation of what these doorways mean unless you understand what the door what the, what the award means unless you understand what the how the doorways function these are categories of visual function that are intentionally embedded into the landscape of work the first 6 of these 10 doorways are the methodologies the core methods in the seventh, we take those first six methods, which has to do with visual order, visual standards, visual displays. <laughs> I'm going down my list. <laughs> visual leadership, the whole metrics function, visual pull systems and pokey oak. We take those six doorways and we apply them in doorway number seven to the machine. In doorway number eight, we apply them to the office. And doorway number nine is about setting up a macro team. And doorway number 10 is about making a a language across multiple sites through what we call our exam awards process. But I think if we can cover the first six, if you're tracking with me uh, right now, uh, then we'll be ready to announce the prize because there'll be enough language. I'm really betwixt and between on this. And I've heard from some of you that you are following the doorways one by one and you want to learn about them so you can get the model under your belt. And I, I really like that. Yet I'm still anxious to name our three winners. So give me a little time to kind of suss this out and weigh the pluses and minuses. But I'm almost certain that we will uh, have um, we will have a um, a pause, another pause. Very good. So um, right now we are going into an emergency break, and um, I'll be back in a little while. I'll be back shortly. Thank you. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 
472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi. Hi, I'm back. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and this is the Visual Workplace Radio Show. Today we're going to be talking about visual standards. Thanks. So before we begin today's discussion, I have a few other announcements. I want to announce, because I'm really excited about it, that I'm going to be doing a a keynote for the Kaizen Institute in India on February the 15th followed by a day, a full-day seminar in a place called Pune, which is uh, not too far from Old Bombay. Um, and then I'll also be in Mumbai, the, the new Bombay, new name for Bombay. I did a great deal of work in India in the 1980s, and I just so love this country, India. And I was, in fact, I was on the verge of opening a company there, and then life happened. <laughs> But I don't think I've ever known a workforce that has so beautifully balanced the scientific part of our expression and the artistic, the scientific uh, mode of improving and the artistic mode of expression, as I found in the Indian workforce, both on the value-add level, the managerial level, the engineering level. It was incredible incredible clarity on all counts, many, many surprises, my hat goes off to uh, the Indian workforce. I haven't been there in about 15 years. I'm very, very pleased to be going back again. And then I'll travel on to Australia where I'll conduct two or three more public seminars of our visual thinking, visual workplace course. That's our flagship course in Sydney. My thanks to Brian Leviton of Lean Australia for that and Albury Wodonga. <laughs> That's Twin City Albury Wodonga. I just like saying it. <laughs> My thanks to the Hume Network and to John Redford and Steve Dam of Wilson Transformers. And then I'll be in Adelaide uh, taking a tour of Flinders Medical where they've been doing extraordinary work. And I'm happy to say, based on visual principles and practices, we've had a very nice collaboration. And uh, then I'll do some consulting and coaching while I'm there. People in Australia are very interested in visuality. And like the United States, it hasn't become a pillar of practice yet, but it certainly is a pillar of thinking and of potential application. So I'm, I'm fully aware of that. I've been in this field for almost 30 years, but there's been an uptick over the last three years, four years, but it has been a long wait. And I, I, I want to mention this as well while we're plugging some of the people who are sponsoring Visual Workplace around the world. Um, my public seminars are based on my book, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking. It won the Shingo Prize back in uh, 2005 for research. It's an overview. It's an introduction to the model. I'm going into a good deal more depth here in the radio shows because we have time, unlimited pages, as it were. That book has uh, about 220 um, examples and full-color images. It's a really good book. You can get it on our website, visualworkplace.com. And then in the States, I'll be in Rhode Island uh, in March, towards at the, the last week in March, special, uh, sponsored by LEI, Lean Enterprise Institute. We're coupling my seminar with a visual benchmarking tour and assessment of Vibeco Vibrators in Rhode Island. And then I'll be at the Shingo Prize Awards Conference uh, that last week in April doing the seminar and then towards the end of April I'll be doing two back-to-back seminars in England with plant tours. It's a busy time and those are sponsored by Say One Media, the great John Tudor presiding and the Manufacturer's Magazine. So it's going to be a busy few months and what I welcome about these months is this, that I have an opportunity to bring more people into an awareness of what workplace visuality is and how it can help, how it can take the struggle out of work. Because, and we'll be spending a show on this, lean is fabulous, but it is insufficient by itself. It is insufficient by itself. If you do not have comparable, robust visuality, your lean will erode. But let's move on to the discussion of today because we're kind of building the case here and giving you an idea of what these devices are like and how they work together and how we have these different categories of function, of visual function. So we're going to talk about standards and visual standards, what they are, how they're different, 
Where does standardization fit into that? Where does standard work fit in? Okay. So standards are the bedrock of all work. Standards, SOPs, define what is the right thing to do and how to do it. You can think of it as standards are technical standards about attributes and specifications. And there's another category of standards called procedural standards. They're your SOPs. They're how do you do it. So you have the what and the how. We went over this when we did building blocks a couple of months ago. Standards pave the way to repeatable, precise, and predictable outcomes. And you do not have to have a high-speed environment for standards to be critically important. What we do with standards is we map out the current standard, which is our current best way, and sometimes that's an amalgamation, a combination of many people's thoughts about what is the best way. So you do a kind of consensus and you find one robust standard and you use that as a platform. You use that and then as you're using it, you look for ways to further improve it. So you're getting down to the micro level of chasing after that waste. Okay, They're very, very important. What manager or supervisor does not pursue standards as the starting point of control and the end in their hope of human error? Because that's what we're trying to control. Even with a heavy machine interface, that human error is always there. Part of our glory is we're creative, a little bit unpredictable, and that is, uh, and then we forget, <laughs> and then we forget that we forgot, as my sensei Shingo would used to say. We, we're human, we forget, and then we forget that we forgot, and now we're in big trouble. So we are trying to control humans who don't really want to make mistakes, but who do, despite their best efforts. We're all human, as we say. And that, that little umbrella covers a multitude of variation. Okay? So visual standards standards are very important. And what are visual standards? Well, the question is what are um, well, I, I think I'll I'll map it out a different way. Okay. I won't raise that many questions. So there's some traps that we fall into. But let me first say that a visual standard is a representation of either the what, what the specification is. It's a visual, a visible representation, a picture with few words or of how to achieve that specification. So it's a picture of the technical specification or it's a picture, a series of pictures of the technical procedure, of the procedural steps. Very, very valuable. Remember, the one simple reason why there is a visual workplace is that people have too many questions. Some of them are asked, most of them are not. When people don't ask questions, they either don't do anything or they make stuff up. So when you don't have your standards captured, People will think they know what to do, but you'll only find out in final test if they did. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Remember, the whole purpose of a visual workplace is to remove the missing, the, the information deficits, to address the missing answers and put the missing answers, put the answers in place to reduce motion, moving without working. Lots of information deficits equals lots of motion. So when we start upon this, value-add associates answer the first of the six core questions. And that first question is where, and that is the purpose of doorway number one, to answer that thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly. In my approach, it's for everything that casts a shadow. Border, home address, and if possible, an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. But there are five other questions. And those five other questions are become the uh, purpose and the responsibility of doorway number two for supervisors, engineers, and managers to answer the what, the when, the how, the how many, the who. Okay? doesn't mean they don't do the where, but they do pursue those other five questions. 
we install these answers in the form of visual devices. Very, very important. So implementing standards and making them visual is the purpose of doorway number two. The, this visual outcome is the responsibility of supervisors, managers, and engineers because they are responsible for identifying, organizing, and publishing accurate, complete, precise, and timely standards. That's part of their job. Otherwise, how can they expect the rest of us to execute precise, complete, timely, and accurate work? Okay, so that information is vital. But in no sense does that mean that just because supervisors, managers, and engineers are responsible for visual standards, that line employees are barred from the process. On the contrary, area associates regularly distinguish themselves as major contributors to all the doorways and certainly to visual standards. Lots and lots of innovation there. It's just that the three groups I mentioned are held accountable for that. Okay. However much line employees may contribute to making operational standards visual, and as I say, in some companies this can be considerable, they are the principal domain. Visual standards are the principal domain of engineers and supervisors and managers. Okay. So they are responsible for precise, the precise performance of work. Engineers in constructing them, complete timely and accurate standards and supervisors in communicating them and overseeing their execution. Standards define what is supposed to happen in the process of work, that which is planned and normal. Conversely, when standards are weak or simply fail, abnormalities result and those are in the forms of errors, mistakes, defects, rework, scrap, unhappy customers, unplanned downtime etc., etc., associated late deliveries or late work. Supervisors and engineers are expected or in the old manufacturing, in the old workplace, are expected as part of their job to identify remedy-related causes. They are, in short, mandated to improve standards. So we say that engineers and supervisors really own this doorway. Okay. So the challenge is to find ways to make these technical and procedural standards much more accessible and and immediate, and so we convert them into this visual format. This work, the work of visual standards, is always best undertaken after visual order is launched, after you have a robust 5S. Visual order is kind of my word. And after there is a semblance of location stability and predictability that begins to emerge. There's no sense publishing and promoting visual standards when the barest fundamentals of everyday work are still out of reach. Where things are. As soon as visual order, robust 5S, automatic recoil, grabs and begins to create a sense of safety and stability in a work area. And again, we're talking about. Uh, We're talking about offices, hospitals, manufacturing, continuous process flow, doesn't matter, dry cleaners, supervisors then join to target standards that need the most attention. Data on key performance indicators help in this process. Where is their weakness in quality, cost, delivery, and safety? So these pieces all kind of work together. Very, very important. The focus of standards, of visual standards, is to capture technical and procedural standards in a visual format and then install them as close to the point of use as possible. Now, I'm going to kind of walk you through a step-by-step after the break, just a very, very rough way of kind of knowing how to do that. Many, many of you are involved in standard work related to lean. I'm going to talk about that as we get a little bit further in so we make the distinctions there. And there are a few other um, kind of um, blurry edges around the use of the word standard, standardization, standard work, uh, visual standards, um, et cetera, and 
quote standards, bid standards, that sort of thing. So I will see you uh, in a moment. It's uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be here. Thanks. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you're looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi, it's Gwendolyn, and this is The Visual Workplace, a radio show that looks at how we embed our intelligence into the physical landscape of work through visual devices and visual mini-systems, how we create a language of operations that is knowable and that is embedded, that is clear. We're talking about visual standards today, and I want to describe a few of them so you get a sense of the range. You can create a visual standard that walks through the minute detail of a complex operation, step by step by step. On the right, on the left side of a sheet of paper, you can map out the steps in sequence and you can vet them and check them and get them exactly correct. And on the right side, you can write down the justification and in the middle you can have pictures with numbers on them. So if someone were to study that sheet and we try to keep it on the same page or to segment in such a way that a page holds together as a complete thought or step of steps, people will read that, they'll go through it, and they'll have it as a guide, as a crib sheet, you know, as the how-to for that process. But there's another way of creating standards, which is as valid. And that is to create a standard using pictures and drawings, making it visual, that just points out the tricky parts. For example, when you're wrapping a wiring harness, showing, showing literally with a picture or drawing, what is the right way to wrap a wiring harness, to wrap the tape around, and what is the wrong way? Because even if the wiring harness works, the electrical current runs and everything functions, many, many customers 
will require that the packaging be correct. The wrapping of the of the wire harness. This has to do with cost, so we're using just the appropriate amount of tape, but it also has to do with functionality of the whole, all of the components working together. And that same visual standard might show you the right way, the wrong way. It might also show you how to properly hold the tape so that you tear it clean. It's kind of electrical tape. It might show you the direction of wrapping. It might show you some of the key components. But it will be a fairly simple picture, representation of one sub-step, the tricky part. While the first one I described is telling you everything, including what I do with the pinky on my left hand. Both of them are valid. You need to know what your um, what your needs are. And what I have found for the most part is that people who need highly detailed standards are usually at the beginning of their journey. They don't yet have um, sensitive uh, metrics that are sensitive enough in place for them to actually pinpoint where the wiggle is. And it's that wiggle that we're capturing on the second standard, the second type of visual standard, the one that's more sparse, that's just showing you the tricky parts. With the first one, what normally happens when you have detailed standards is that you normally put them in a binder, in a three-ring binder. And what I like to see, and I'm sure you do too, is that you just use the spine of the binder and you attach the binder right to the point of use, right near someone's bench or on a clothesline. You affix it close by. And then people flip through it. You can have a cover on. The cover will say uh, uh, visual standards for cell 23A, the bending cell. On the other one, you normally have these as cards, the ones that, the standards that just capture the tricky parts. You have these on laminated cards and you put them in a sleeve by in the work area. Maybe every six or seven uh, benches or something of that sort. Six or seven desks if, this, if these are office standards. And then either the metric is telling you about weakness in a particular step if your uh, metrics are sensitive enough. Or you see uh, a slippage in a specific quality a component, a, a specific quality spec and you go over or you, you know that you, you kind of, your hand eye thing is, you don't quite get how to handle the unit and put your hand under it and whatever. You go over and you pull the card. Better that you pull it yourself as an operator. These cards that your supervisors and engineers have, have, um, created, provided you. And you've participated probably and they probably have made it, um, look very clear. Had it done on a computer. And you pull the card you need. You, have a place, a little Velcro thing. Each, Maybe they're backed in Velcro. Maybe there's a little sleeve to slip them. And you put it there as a reminder. You, it's only temporary, though. And then as your skill increases or as the metric changes, you have a different card there. That's another way of doing it. And I like that very much as well. But the thing that is held in common with the visual standards, both types, is that it's intentional the intentionality is to be clear and to show pictures to let them replace the thousand words. So that's the step. You simplify, you focus, you reformat a specification attribute into a more user-friendly format along with the precise information on how to do it. You make them visual, lots of pictures, reachable by sight, not by searching, Include plenty of drawings and photos to illustrate key points. You laminate them or you stick them in a, a plastic sleeve to keep them clean. And you install them at or very near the point of use. Clotheslines, pockets, affixed to the sides of work furniture and machines, three-ring binder, that kind of thing. But here's the thing that you have to know about standards. You can spend a lot of time making them, but they are not powerful. They are not powerful. They're relevant. They're useful, but they're not powerful. What do I mean by powerful? They can't make me do it. They can't make me do the right thing. They have no power. They're what I call a visual indicator. A visual indicator tells us only 
informing the workplace of what the workforce of what's expected of them through visual procedures and visual attributes is a giant step towards ensuring a precisely executed performance. So there's no mistake there. But for managers and supervisors to think that that's going to get the outcome is simply a mistake in concept. Managers should seek ways to make it easier for people to do the right thing. Of course they should. It's their responsibility. There's a big should, not could, would, but should, must. Easy for people to do the right thing repeatedly and extraordinarily well. It's just that standards, written standards and visual standards are not capable of doing so. It's not their fault. A visual standard has no power. Visual standards are simply two-dimensional placards that contain vital information, carefully presented in precise detail, in fact, sometimes beautifully presented, even exquisitely. But showing these to people will not ensure that the details will be, first of all, understood, let alone practiced. Visual standards simply show or tell us what we're supposed to do. They cannot make us do it. They are in this category of visual effectiveness that I call visual indicator, the lowest category on the power spectrum, the very lowest. Okay? Because when I speak of power in relation to workplace visuality, I am referring to the power to make people do ordinary things extraordinarily well. I'm not saying they don't want to. I'm saying that the device itself isn't powerful. We talked about this on the roadway in some of our earlier shows. There's a sign on the road that says, slow down children playing. All of us care about that. The only problem is it's a visual standard, which makes it a visual indicator. It has no power. It announces vital information, but it can't ensure that we will either see that information or once seen, act upon it. Act upon it as the designer of the sign would have us do, in other words, that we would slow down. What to do? Well, don't depend on the visual standard. To get us to behave, we need a more powerful visual device. We have to install something else. What would you install to get people to slow down in a neighborhood where children are playing? Got the sign there. Yeah, you could put a flashing light. Flashing light then, and it's called a visual signal, calls our attention to the message, and hopefully we notice it. But it still can't make us behave. What would do it? Yes. What makes us behave? A speed bump. I mean, we might not even see it at the first speed bump. Usually, hopefully, they come in pairs. We hit the first speed bump, we're flying, and we say, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to do that to my struts. And uh, by the second speed bump, we've slowed down, or most of us. <laughs> hmm? Right? We got the behavior change. And remember, we've talked about this many, many, many times. The behavior change. Taking vital information Getting the exact behavior through visual devices. Now, it doesn't guarantee there will be some people who uh, will not respond. And only a pokey oak would ensure that absolute power. I don't even know what that would look like on the roadway. I know what it looks like in a rental, in a rental car lot. If you want to keep people from stealing your, uh, your cars, all you have to do is put that, those uh, razor sharp uh, forks in the road and as they back up you know you don't have to worry you can go to you can go home at night you don't have to worry about your cars moving off the lot they may all have ripped tires but that's a guarantee so but the speed bump is very effective what we've done is we've built in a visual control it's very it's very powerful but the visual indicator will not do it so want you to be interested in visual standards, but I don't want you to get too excited about them. Most managers hope and pray they get to doorway number two that it will solve what all the other doorways do. It will give us control over the humans, but it won't. Is it an important step for you to create standards and then make them visual? It is indispensable. It is simply not powerful in changing behavior. But on your way to standard work, on your way to standardization, wow, you can't go without it. So I want to hit a few more items 
uh, before uh, the close of the show. And uh, I'm going to take a break now. We'll come back in a little bit. And we're going to be talking about the difference between uh, visual standards, standards, standardization, standard work, standard work for supervisors, and just kind of get our thoughts right about that. Okay? See you in a minute. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'll be here when you get back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790 that's toll free 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com now back to the program hi it's Gwendolyn hi we're you're you've tuned into the visual workplace my name is Gwendolyn Galsworth and we are talking today about visual standards we've just kind of mapped out how important visual standards are, showing people, telling people through pictures in a few words what is the right way to do the right thing at the right time and how. Capturing that in pictures, so vital. But also, we said in the same breath, don't expect people to adhere to it. You can hope that they will, but you know hope is not a strategy. It's not an improvement strategy. It's a hope. You can hope they will because goodness knows some of the most concerted effort you will ever make is identifying your standards. Oh, my goodness. And getting them so that they are homogenized and sufficiently robust. Oh, my goodness. So much work. You've got to get people involved in it. You've got to get operators involved, value-add and engineers, managers. Okay, it's a lot of work. But – it's not powerful. It's a powerful idea, but it's not a powerful device. It can't get the behavior change. Okay? So we're talking about that. And oh, in a few weeks, I don't know, maybe a few months, I'll be interviewing Jeff Nelson from Expert OJT, who has this wonderful software system for creating standards and doing it efficiently but also thoroughly. And you have to balance those two. Okay? This is great work for engineers. I remember a group, engineers and supervisors working together in concert with operators because they can tell you. They can t- I can tell you what 
the pinky on my left hand is doing just during that step. And it is important. <laughs> and we do need to capture it. At Lockheed, when they, Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth, when they started getting involved in making standards visual, one of the first things they did, because the shop floor was begging them, had these complex drawings of these sub-assemblies for fighter jets. Can you please help us find the commonality between all of these procedures? In smart placement, I call that sorting the universe, finding buckets. Can you help us find buckets? And what the engineers did after they studied these standards is they found what's called – in fancy language, a typology or a kind of an outline of how things fit together, and they began to color code the standards. And right on the line, you would see the standards there in support of the drawings. And this was a very big first step in moving um, hand assembly and hand drawings, in your hand physical drawings at Lockheed to Um, monitor-based drawings. And I want to say a few things about these computer-based vision systems. They're really, really cool. They're expensive, and they're becoming more prevalent. So in in Lockheed, they took those color code drawings, and then it was easy for them to color code certain areas, tricky parts, or particular parts that need a particular tool or sequencing in the software install the monitors right there at the point of view so the assembler could follow the monitor and the monitor would walk them would walk me through as an operator i remember one in one auto repair shop not at um not at lockheed the software would actually project colors on the unit and show you exactly where a procedure took place precisely where to do an operation and until you went through that, had a kind of seeing eye, the line or the piece wouldn't index to the next to the next operations. It was very, very cool, very expensive, very cool. Uh, it was an experimental form. And, and another system that I've, I observed when I was on a Shingo site visit in Reynosa, Mexico, four or five years ago, they used a barcode and a computer monitor to help assemblers follow complex instructions you barcode the unit you're working on a video clip appears that walks the assembler through the complex operations as he or she is doing the job very very cool but i don't want you to think that you need to go that far in many many ways it is not a good use of resources because you still don't have a way to make people do it you can make you're simply making it easier for them to understand how to do it but they're still you're not making them do it the, the next logical step after that is to let the machine do it. But no, there are many operations where humans have to be involved. You can't get rid of us yet. So you have to understand that visual standards are important, but they are not powerful. And managers will get very excited about them, and they will not understand why, after all of that investment, there are still errors. What did we do wrong? What am I? What's wrong with me? How can this be happening to me? I just sunk $2 million. You know, it's like sinking $27 million into an SAP system. Why isn't this working? (laughs) I am not going to be the one to give you that answer. So while I'm at it, I want to describe a trap that we fall into when we talk about standards and their limits. Because sometimes people are using the idea of standards – around visual devices to mean we're going to standardize visual devices. We're going to build adherence in by seeing a few, by, by identifying a few visual devices that are really powerful and standardizing on them, saying this is the way we're going to do it. It's the wrong approach. In visual devices, because you're living in the world of language and expression, we talk about cultivating visual inventiveness, not standardizing visual devices. Please don't confuse them. If you standardize or standardize too soon, you will be robbing the organization, the workplace, and the workforce of its own creative solutions. 
that are just beginning to bubble to the surface. When you see a great visual device and you say, everybody do it that way, you just have to change your wording. You can still have that as a baseline, but instead you say, look, I want you guys to keep going. This is a really good device. We're going to use it as our baseline until it grows into something a little bit more robust, what we could call a visual best practice. And when we get that visual best practice, then we are going to uh, use that as a baseline and have a ne- our next visual best practice. So don't rob the organization of its inventiveness. If you want standards related to visuality, I'm going to give you a few to consider. These are progressive. They won't destroy the very dynamic visual does better than any other improvement methodology, and that is to ignite the inventiveness in the workforce. Here are some standards you can have around visuality. Every address on a shelf shall include an arrow showing to which shelf a given address applies. That's a standard. But it's not telling you how. It's telling you that this will be present. There will be a border and address and if possible an ID label for everything that casts a shadow. That's a standard. All addresses will be visible at two feet for pedestrians and four feet for forklift operators. Here's another standard. Every department shall designate the top of that department, the top of the stream, and the end of the department, the close of the stream. Every array of office cubies Cubbies, I beg your pardon, will have 3D tabs on each cubby announcing the name and saying whether they're there or not. So we can see at a distance that the person we're looking for is not there. Here's another visual standard. Here's another standard about the visual workplace. Audits shall be created based on visual principles and not on specific closed-ended tasks. We, I am not interested in task audits. I am interested in audits that audit principles. All color code borders shall have an address. So many mistakes around here. So you get the, the message. Standards are powerful. The kinds of standards that are used in workplace visuality are visual standards, as I described before, doorway number two, but also standards around putting a certain functionality in place, a certain visual functionality in place so that we reach a base level. I hope you have found today interesting. Next week we're going to do visual displays. We'll have some thematic uh, connection. I've had a wonderful time today. I hope that this is knowledge that you not only enjoy learning about, but also are applying. Please continue to send your emails. Send me photos. I love those photos. Radio at visualworkplace.com. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off until the next time. Thanks. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.